Well, good morning. It's good to have you here with us today. If you're in Kidmo, you can head on out. Thank you, Miss Lila. I don't know if she's still in here. She's very great job. Thank you for leading us again. And uh, boy, what a what a great reminder this morning already how good God is. And our life, our lives didn't begin till we knew Christ. No matter what we were before, we are something different with Him. Would you pray with me, Father? God, I thank you just for the incredible grace you've given each one of us. We draw breath. We're able to come to this place to give hugs and to smile and to catch up, to value people. And Father, I thank you for the opportunity to worship you and that you are a God that is worthy of worship. I thank you for the opportunity to celebrate that we have life because of Christ, His death on the cross, and His power to rise from the dead. And Father, I pray that as we just spend these next few minutes together, you would open our hearts and our minds to see you, to hear you, to be with you. And God, I'm just thankful that death was arrested. And now my life is real and it's free. We can know you, walk with you, and experience what we were meant to experience from the beginning. Let's call us in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, it's been a good morning already. Amen? Well, I'm glad you're here. And we had a great day with Widow's Harvest yesterday and had an opportunity to go into work and uh, worked on two homes yesterday, uh, which was an exciting um, proposition. We had more hands than we had tools for projects, so we spread out. And had a large group and did a lot of great things. I want to invite you to join us um, in April. Uh, let us know that you're coming for Widow's Harvest. Over the last four weeks, I, I shared with you that I've, I've been a part of a Bible study with some pastors from some, from some different churches in our community. And our purpose in, in doing this Bible study was really not the Bible study, but the purpose of, of getting together was to bring together pastors of, of different denominations and different racial backgrounds to come together and build relationships and, and begin to heal some of the divide that has happened in our churches and, and in a culture that is increasingly divided. And so we had the opportunity to do that. And I, I don't know if Ken is here yet this morning, but Ken had the opportunity to be a part of that. And so for April, the first Saturday in April, we are actually going to be partnering with another church for Widow's Harvest and uh, we got to know the pastor of Orchard Park Church, which is, which is a Seventh-day Adventist church downtown, an African-American Seventh-day Adventist church. And they have chosen, that is their Sabbath. So that, they'll be ha- they normally have services on Saturday. They're going to come and join us um, so they can serve with us. And this is a great opportunity to come not only to serve, but also to, to continue to help build these relationships. And we're going to have more opportunities like this. I'm so encouraged by what God is doing in the church around us. I'm encouraged to see the church you know, letting go of just you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years uh, of division over silly things. Silly things. We all worship Jesus. We all want to go to heaven. We all know that we are nothing without him. He gave his life for us. We all know we're supposed to go out and share this good news and love each other. And Jesus says we're going to show that we're his followers by our love for each other. But so many times our churches are divided. But I just want you to know that that is changing in our city. And it's not just this. It's not just this one study. It, 
There are many places in which that is happening, and I'm excited. Many of the projects that we're doing as far as out in the community, I was catching up with Mark just a a few minutes ago, and and, uh, he and Tracy have have been investing in some of of the homeless in our community, investing in some longer-term relationships with them, helping them, caring for them. You know, I'm excited what's happening with... uh, you know, some, some are, are partnering with Signal Mountain Christian Services. You brought food and, and shampoo and soap and things and went up and helped um, clear out a house a few weeks ago. We'll have an opportunity to go back and, and serve again there. I, I'm excited about God being authentic in us and that we demonstrate the authentic church in our community. That's what I'm excited about. And so what I want to close out our simple series with is I want to just talk about the simple church. Now, some of you who are, you, you're aware of church trends. <laughs> You've been following church books and uh, ways of doing church. You know there's a book out there called Simple Church. I don't want to talk about that, although there is a place for that in our conversation. This is something else I, that I, I want us to, to bring together, and that is what are we as the church together? So far in this journey that we've been on, we began talking about simple faith, and simple faith is just that we believe God, we trust Him, we believe what He says is not only true, but it's necessary. If He tells us to go do something, we do it. If He takes something away from us, and it hurts that it's taken away from us, we trust Him that that is good, and that we ultimately trust that Jesus is real, that Jesus did die on the cross, and that through Him, by rising from the dead, we have an opportunity to know Him forever. We followed that up with simple worship. And I hope that you are continuing the challenge to just stop and be still before God, to, to just reach out and, and say, God, where, you know, let me worship you. And it doesn't have to be in this place, and it doesn't have to be to, to music, and it doesn't have to be with other people. It can be just with you, just in the quiet, just experiencing God. And I hope that you're continuing to do that within your lives. We follow that up with simple love, what would it look like if we just loved people? And it seems like that's so difficult today, isn't it? We have so many qualifiers for who we will love or how we will love. And what he's calling us to is just love people. Just, just love them. But begin with those who know Christ. And our ability to love each other is going to communicate to the world God's love for them. And, and what would happen if every person we came in contact with frustrating or otherwise, to say, I just want you to know that God loves you in some way. You don't have to say the words because that's sometimes a little weird. You know, somebody comes and says, I just want you to know God loves you. And you're like, does that mean I, do I look like I'm not a Christian? <laughs> you know, did I do something? You know, what happened? I know he loves me. I mean, I know, I know Jesus. Why are you saying that? But yeah, but in some tangible way, show, show people that we come in contact with, God loves you. Sometimes that's through service. Sometimes that's through listening. Sometimes that's through just not judging and just choosing to love people. We follow that up with, with simple holiness. We are called to live holy lives, set apart, following what Jesus has taught us. And if we're trying to live life in any way other than living holy lives, we are not following Jesus. And so we talked about simple holiness. We talked about simple life. Very confessionally, I have a problem with this. <laughs> creating margin. And so in trying to create margin, some of us need to create margin in our finances so that we can be more active in serving others and we can be more active in giving to our church. Some of us need to create more margin in our time so that we have more time for people that we can go and, and, and serve. 
A lot of times God is saying something to us and wants us to be involved with him in the mission in which he is doing in the world. And yet we simply just do not have the margin to participate. I just don't have time. I've got too many things I got to do. I've got too many responsibilities I got to take care of. And one of the things that we have to constantly have a conversation about at our church is are we removing your margin as a church so that those things that God wants you to do outside of these walls, are we so tying you to activities here that you don't have that margin as well? We've got to create margin so we have time not only to hear what God is saying to us, but then when we hear, we have to go and we have to do. And if you've ever had that moment where you just feel compelled to do something, you see someone or see a need and you feel like, I just, I want to help. I just don't have time or I just don't have any resources to help. We've got to create that. And that means scaling back our lives. It means scaling back our time. Scaling back what we spend money on. It means creating that margin. Last week we talked about our simple mission. And our simple mission is something we, we talk about often, but our simple mission is simply letting people know that Jesus is here for them. They can have a relationship with Him. He has restored us to something better We have a simple mission, all of us. We all have a part to play. If we are not communicating the gospel into the world, we are not fulfilling our place as his followers. It's just not happening. And we give that responsibility to the pros, to those people who've gone to seminary or in positions or on staff or the leader. So yeah, they'll they'll do it. They know how to do it. You miss the opportunity to see God do something within you because he hasn't just called leaders to do it. He's called us all to do it. And you may be the leader that he wants to raise up, but you've got to be willing to go and to be active. And we, we have a mission. Our mission is to make him known. I want to talk to you today about just the church. This is not who we are with those outside of the church. I mean, I'm talking about body of believers. And I don't just mean people who attend church. I mean people who know Jesus, follow Jesus, and they are living their life for Jesus. They sing these songs with heart and passion because they know Jesus is not only real, but Jesus is the only reason we are alive, the only reason that we do exist that he is our greatest treasure. We are looking forward to the day in which we get to spend eternity with him in heaven, but we're not waiting for then. We're deciding right now, I'm going to spend time with you right now and experience you in my life right now. This is the church. So as we talk about, well, what is simple church? What does it look like to be the church? One of the things that I think is so crucial is that the church recognizes we are not a collection of individuals. Scripture never talks about the church in this way, but yet we live within the church like we're a collection of individuals. Like I come for the thing that I want to come for, or or, or sometimes I'll do something and I'll do the thing I signed up for, and, and I'll just kind of slip in and experience and then slip out, and that is not the picture of the church in Scripture. In Scripture, the picture of the church is that we are interdependent upon each other. We need each other. We cannot fully flesh out our faith by ourselves. But instead, there is a unity among us that actually creates within us the working of the Holy Spirit in a way that it never will. He will never work in that same way in an individual person's life. But he brings us together. 1 John 4.12 describes it like this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. 
Well, if we read that in the reverse, then we say, hey, no one has ever seen God, but if we don't love one another, God doesn't abide in us and his love is not perfected in us. When we read it that way, it's got a little more of a a bite to it, doesn't it? That there is something about your love for other Christians that actually allows God to do something in your life. I've been a part of a lot of divided churches, and you've probably been a part of a lot of divided churches as well. And, you know, I hear sometimes different things from churches. Well, you know, that church has cliques. Or that church only likes this, this kind of a person. One of our hopes from the beginning was that we would be a church that, I don't, if you don't fit somewhere else, you fit here. <laughs> That's kind of what we always wanted. And so we're, about, we're like the island of misfit toys for churches, right? I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. Because I don't want to make you feel bad about yourself, but you fit here. You belong here, right? Yes. We want you here. But there are some places they say, you know what, they only want a certain kind of person. Or I've been in churches where we've divided ourselves by the kind of music we do. The colors we, we have in worship, the, the, how dressed up we get. Those, those are some of the things that happen within churches, but we also separate from other believers based on, based on our denominations. It's amazing how many people don't know anybody that goes to a church that's a believer. They've experienced the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit within their life, but they don't know anybody that's not in their denomination. We're separated by that. We get off social media and we talk about racism and how, you know, or how we've got to fight this thing about racism, but the church is not exactly unified in the area of building relationships with people that look different from us. And so if we're going to believe that, hey, when we love one another, when we love other Christians, even the people that are sometimes hard to love, because I realize some of us are harder to love than others. I realize in my family, I'm not the easiest person in my family to love. Some of us, we're just not easy, but when we do it, God abides in us. Something changes in us when we are the church unified together. So when we talk about simple church, we cannot talk about journey church alone. Because we are not the church. We're a piece. We're a part we're a family unit who have come together with common goals, common dreams, common, common hopes. But we're a part of something bigger. The church is bigger than us, and it's not just all of the denominations in America. Because the church is exploding around the world right now. Faith in Christ is growing at a rapid rate in most every place around the world than the developed world. It's amazing what's happening with the gospel right now. But if we are not constantly in relationships with people who are different from us, is it possible God is not abiding in us? Those are strong words, I know. John 17, 23 says, this is Jesus talking about his relationship with the Father and our relationship with him. It says, I in them and you, the Father, in me, Christ, that they may become perfectly separated. And they don't talk to each other. And they get mad at each other. And they won't worship together. Is that not what it said? No. Oh. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know 
that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So in other words, we may be great at creating tracks and we may be great at videos and sermons and worship services that attract people that do not know Christ. But what he's saying is that stuff is not the most crucial thing. Your love for one another, having being with Christ in us as God is in Christ, we are going to demonstrate God's love by loving each other. That's what it looks like. And so what I think that looks like is that we just all need to move into one property and live together, right? <laughs> like, what? Is he being serious? <laughs> I guess it depends on your property. To be honest, you know, let me know what, let me know what you got. But, uh, yeah, Leslie washes dishes. We got that covered. That's a lot of dishes, Leslie. That's a lot of dishes, all right? It doesn't mean that we, we remove ourselves from the world and we create our little commune, although to be honest, it would be easier that way. But it does mean that we spend time together. We see ourselves as one. I, I don't want anyone to raise your hand or say anything, but do you, thanks Ken for not following those instructions, but do you feel, do you feel that you are one with the people in this room? Do you feel at one with them? Because what Jesus is saying here is, is if you are my body and we are the church, then just as the Father and the Son are one, we will be one with each other and with them. Are we? Now, we have to give ourselves a little slack here, okay? Because we are people. (laughs) We're not Jesus and we're not God. But we do have the Holy Spirit in us. His point is not saying that you can't tell the difference where, you know, I start and you stop. But what he's saying is that we should have some level of intense unity among us. That we feel like we are one people. But that doesn't just happen, does it? Our unity and love for each other, it is necessary to be the church that Jesus described. It is necessary. If we don't have that, we are not fulfilling the call of the church. In Acts 2, we read about the early church. And what you're going to find if you read anything in the New Testament is the church starts out great, like many things, and then starts to fall off very quickly. But this is what happens in Acts chapter 2, talking about the very first new believers in Jerusalem. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, and I just want you to listen for what they do and what the environment is like. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I think we should just do that. I think we should just do that. But the thing is, is this was not a prescription. Jesus didn't say, okay, now here's what I want you to do. 
whenever you guys start forming yourself as a church, I want you to, as far as we know, maybe he did have that conversation with the apostles. As far as we know in scripture, we don't see that. What we see is what begins to happen when people are ignited in faith and passion for Christ. They decide they've got to spend time together. They've got to be together. And they've got to be together for a purpose, not just hang out like we all sit around and just kind of look at each other. That's always as fun. But there's a purpose. And so when they get together, they get together for purposes of fellowship. Talking about eating together, both socially, but also in sharing communion together. Let me ask you this. Would it be, would it be a radical thing if you invited somebody over to your house and, and, and in the middle of your hanging out, you actually took communion together? Have you ever considered that? Well, that's what they did. Like, this is so important. I just don't want to forget what Jesus has done. I want you, I just, let's just talk about what Jesus has done for us. And so they would remember, they would celebrate with communion together, and they would devote themselves to teaching and to praying and to fellowship. Is it even possible for us in 2019 and beyond to even do this? Is it even possible? For many of us, it would be very hard. It would be very hard. And, and honestly, for a lot, they're not going to do it. Because culturally, we have not built this into our understanding of being the church. We have understood practice, activities. We shuffle on the edge of bringing works back to the forefront. But are we growing as one together with others? And what if we did and God showed up in a way we never thought possible? Because I believe that's what he's calling us to. That's what he's drawing us to. The first Christians were devoted to growing in knowledge, love for each other, and love for God. That is part of the call of the simple church. Unity, loving each other, growing in knowledge, and loving God. They lived in unity of purpose and in loving each other. If you want to check out early today, I'm going to give you my I'm going to give you my final thing. I want you to remember and I'm going to back it up for the rest of this sermon. A simple church is a church that is growing in knowledge, unity and love. Period. A simple church is a church that is growing in knowledge, knowledge of God, knowledge of following him, knowledge of Jesus, understanding his word, understanding how it it works and how we live within it and how we adjust ourselves to align ourselves with the teachings of Jesus. So it is growing in unity, it is growing in knowledge, and it is growing in love for each other. Now you could probably sit down and come up with a lot more other things that the church could and should be, but I'm telling you, at some level, those don't matter if these three aren't happening. Unity, loving each other, growing. If those things are not happening, you are not a church. I am not a church. We are not the church. Now, thankfully, God is not a God who is all or nothing. (laughs) And instead, he draws us. Is that rain? Do you, is that rain I hear coming? Oh my goodness. I'm so tired of rain. It's not going, yeah, all right. I'm going to say a bad joke, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But when we come together as the church, just as sanctification is a process, just as the reason we call this place journey, it is a journey from where we are to where we're going. Thankfully, God has not expected us to make a decision and then be at the end 
right away. He's going to let us grow into this. But if we're not growing in these areas, if we don't have an interest in these areas, we are not fulfilling the role and the purpose of the church. It doesn't matter about all the programs. It doesn't matter about all the structures. It doesn't matter about all the administrative pieces. It doesn't matter about any of that stuff. If these things aren't happening, then God is not active within us and the church is not demonstrating the love that Jesus said we would to the world. What does it look like to be unified? Wouldn't it be great if we were unified? What if you could literally, just every church, you knew who every Christian was in Chattanooga. What if you just knew? I mean, that's a lot of people. But what if you had relationships with Christians all over the city? What if you just had people, random people, hitting you up, just telling you how awesome you are and how excited they are about what God's doing in your life? And that just kind of happened all the time. Would you be encouraged? I mean, you may have a lot of those people now, right? You may have a lot of people calling you up and saying how awesome you are, do you? Probably not. Probably not. But what happened if you had a need and you could go to anyone in the city that knew Jesus? What if you were struggling? What if you just were, you were having a panic attack and you were thinking, this is all over, and yet you knew the entire city of believers of Chattanooga knew you loved you and was praying for you? What would that be like? Is that what we experience now? You know, there are a lot of reasons that the church has become fragmented in the way that it is. There are a lot of reasons. And most of it's over belief. Like, I believe a little different than you, so I'm going to hang out with everybody who believes this. Y'all go hang out with everybody who believes that. We at least know we're Christians. Really not sure about you. But we'll do our thing. Usually the reason we separate is over beliefs. Apart from that... We will also separate by, well, what kind of music do we like? You know, what kind of teaching do we like? You know, I've got, I've got a lot of friends who they're like, if you preach over 10 minutes, you're not preaching God's word. You're preaching your own. I'm like, well, I, it's bad news for my church because <laughs> they're getting a whole lot of other things too. And I've got people who are like, if you set a time limit on your sermon, then you are denying the Holy Spirit's work in your life. I'm like, pray, preach it. Preach it. Let's do it. You know, Paul had people have fallen out the windows. They, he preached so long. I mean, you, you all think you have it bad. I mean, you haven't heard Paul preach, right? Then we separate just on the natural social boundaries that we have. Those natural social boundaries, whether they be racial or whether they be socioeconomic. If you're really honest, the people you hang out with the most within your life, how dissimilar are they from you? Now, it's one of the parts of the church. I mean, it's not, it's not wrong to be attracted to people that have common interests and like to do things. Like, you know, if you like to go, you have a hobby, and you want to go hang out with somebody else who does that hobby, that's a lot more fun than hanging out with somebody who hates to do that hobby, right? There's nothing wrong with having those, those connections and say, we just enjoy each other and, and enjoy doing this thing. That, that is fine. But when we separate from that and say, those are the only people I'm going to hang out with, then we cease being the church. There are all kinds of reasons that we separate ourselves. What Jesus said from the very beginning was a consistent message that said, you will be one as I and the Father am one. And the question is, are we living that out? And if not, why? And how do we? A simple church is a church that is growing in knowledge, unity, and love. Ephesians 4, Paul describes it like this. Therefore, a prisoner, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy 
of the calling to which you have been called, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There is a unity that comes by knowing Christ. And yet, not everyone is excited about unity. If we go back to verse 2, this is why. Because the things that lead to unity are not valued in our culture. The things that lead to unity are not valued in our culture. With all humility. When's the last time somebody said, you know what you need? You need, you need, to, you need to be more humble. Uh, you actually may have had somebody say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure they actually know what that word means. You know, when they say that. Humility is not... A value. You got to be strong. You got to get yours. You got to get out there and, be, you know, with all humility and gentleness. I mean, gentleness is always held up as a way that God is working within you. If, if you are a gentle person, someone is going to come up to you and say, You need to stop being so gentle. I mean, you need to stop letting people walk all over you. You need to stand up for yourself. And yet what Scripture says is is when the Holy Spirit is active within you, you will be gentle. Jesus was gentle. Humility and gentleness are not values within our culture, but it leads to unity. When's the last time you wanted to go hang out with somebody who was always the life of the party telling you what you need to do? Probably not very often. Humility gentleness with patience because we're not all in the same place yet bearing with one another in love i love that because my wife has to bear with me all the time and she does it in love praise the lord because if she didn't know jesus she wouldn't be doing that i'll tell you that what does it look like to bear with one another in love Here's what we need to do. I want, I want to list a, uh, I'm going to give a list of political issues and raise your hand which ones you support, okay? Let's see how this goes, all right? I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Not going to do that. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. Some of you are like, oh, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. <laughs> I'll start the list, you know, but. Can it be said about us that we uh, us that we bear with one another in love? And yet we'll separate ourselves on a dime. You hurt my feelings, I'm done with you. You don't value what I value, I'm done with you. You didn't vote for who I voted for, I'm done with you. Bearing with one another in love means you know what? We don't have to agree. I don't even have to like everything you like, but I'm going to love you no matter what. And when we begin to bear with one another in love, we begin to see the heart that Jesus has for us. Because I'll tell you right now, Jesus doesn't like everything I do. And yet he bears with me in love. 
He's just saying, do for others what I'm doing for you. This is what it looks like to be the church. Unity does not, on the other hand, deny diversity. And this is, for some of you, this this is it. This is the whole thing for today. Unity does not deny diversity. It does not mean we have to look the same. It does not mean we have to talk the same. It does not mean we have to like the same way that we worship. It doesn't mean we have to agree on everything that goes on in the church. It doesn't mean we have to agree with what each other votes for or against. It doesn't mean that we all of a sudden are indistinguishable from one another because that is not how God sees you. In fact, diversity was God's idea. That was his idea. That's how he created. He created in diversity. Go back and read the creation story. He created them according to their kind. I mean, I do have some issues with the diversity that God has created with, like cats. I don't get it. I don't get it. You could have left that out. I'm just saying. If you got, I know some of you, some good friends of mine have cats. I get it. I get it. I don't, don't really get it, but you get it. And that's fine. But, you know, but God creates diversity. Look at the people that are in the room. I mean, look at all of the ways that we are different from each other. The, the diverse experiences that we've had. If we were to all go through and to really honestly describe what God is to us, we would have diverse descriptions of God. Unity does not mean that we all agree. We love each other in spite of the fact that we're not the same. We still can love each other. Unity does not deny diversity. We read in, in, later in Ephesians 4, chapter 11, we're actually we're talking about how God is, has formed the church. And it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers... To equip the saints for the work of ministry. And this is an ongoing conversation that Paul is having about spiritual gifts. In which he has, God has through the Holy Spirit actually given us different roles within the church. So that we can fill the holes. Not that we all fill every role. And so he's going through this discussion about some of the different roles in the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So in other words, the diversity among us is not a bad thing. The diversity among us is how the church is built up. But only when we all function in the diversity in which he has created us. Whenever we try to force somebody into into one certain idea, we try to take a, a, a square peg and put it in a round hole, we always hurt them. We always hurt them. But it always feels better when we all agree on everything. There's no tension. There's no argument. There's no hurt. But show me anywhere in life that that happens. God is not saying you are going to look just like your neighbor. What he's saying is because of the Holy Spirit and your love for Christ, all this diversity is going to come together and that's where God will be. And that's where God will work. And then all the people outside who are looking at the church, they're not going, you know, I wonder kind of 
Christmas program they're going to have. I might come get to know Jesus at the Christmas program. Who's having the best Christmas program in town? No. Instead, they look around and they go, listen, those people love each other. And I know that there's a lot of people just liking they can't stand each other. But they actually love each other. I think I've got a good chance that they'll love me too. But when we separate ourselves based on whatever criteria we want to give, the message we send is, we will love you if you are the right kind of person. And let me tell you, if Jesus had said that to us, we would all be up a creek. It is not the way Jesus loved. He goes on. Let me find my place. Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until... We all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. There's an, ish, there's, a, there's an area of this which is about growing and it's about maturing. It's about getting you know, better at this to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we keep at it until we have achieved this in the same way that Christ has achieved it, which for me is probably going to take a while. And maybe you too. But I stay at it. I stick with it. Because you know what? I'm still trying to get to the place where Jesus is. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love. By the way, you do not speak the truth in love simply by saying, I'm speaking this truth in love. That you got to go farther than that, all right? Because usually when you got to say I'm speaking the truth in love, no one else believes you're doing it but you. All right? So anyways, just a little aside extra for you this morning. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. He's talking about us. This is us here. The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part is functioning properly. Now let me just say something about that. I've been in ministry a long, long time. And I run into people who think they're better at it, at ministry, than they are. I can see them because I know what that feels like. (laughs) I've done that myself. But more so, I run into people who do not engage in ministry or do not engage within the church because they do not feel like they're good enough. And I'm going to tell you, if you believe that about yourself, you deny the power of the Holy Spirit. If you believe that you don't have something to give, your part's not functioning properly in the body because my part's not that good. I'm not really good at it. I don't function very well. Then you're denying the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say that. We can coddle and we can say, oh yeah, you'll be great. Oh yeah, you can do it. But the truth is that doesn't work until you believe that God is active in your life. And that the function that you're working in within the body is actually empowered by him, not by you. God has something amazing to do with your life. And the church is not whole if you are not actively a part. 
See, Jesus talks about the church very differently than we do. It's my belief we've got to start talking about the church the way he does. Because if we don't, we're going to drift off into some kind of something that is not Jesus. But we're going to call it the church. And we see that happening all the time. All the time. What we see in Ephesians chapter 4 and 11. Number one, the body of Christ is made up of many diverse parts. The church and the body of Christ are interchangeable terms. You see that in verse 11 and 12. That, we see spiritual gifts in this, in that you are given a spiritual gift when you come to know Christ. The Holy Spirit comes within your life. Some of those gifts are mercy. Some of those gifts are uh, prophecy. Prophecy being to tell truth, not necessarily to tell the future. I always chuckle when somebody tells the future. I'm like, oh, that's not going to work out good for you. Because, you know, basically the scripture says, yeah, they, they're not going to know. And in the Old Testament, if you tried to tell the future it didn't come true, you were to be stoned. I mean, if we need to bring that back. You know, Jesus, Jesus has given me a word that in three years, if you don't give me $300,000, that he's going to come back and destroy all this. Well, all right, I'm looking at you. Better, you better pay up if that three years comes and goes and Jesus hasn't come back. Because in the Old Testament, you get stoned for that. And I don't, and I don't mean the fun kind of stoned either. Not a... <laughs> Wait, let me. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> me, that needs, that's going to warrant some additional discussion here. So let's pull that out of the recording. No stone kind is fun, all right? And I don't do that. All right. But so, anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Whew. Stick to your notes. Listen. If you're going to teach, stick to your notes. Because if you don't, you get in trouble. But the interesting thing about spiritual gifts, whether it's the spiritual gift of prophecy, which literally the spiritual gift of prophecy means that I am so enamored with communicating truth that I will do it at all costs. And then you've got somebody with the gift of mercy. And we've got a lot of folks with the gift of mercy in here. And the gift of mercy who's like, I see somebody in pain. I feel their pain. I've got to help them. And so the way you approach an issue are completely different. So the person with prophecy is over here looking at your problem going, well, here's what your problem is. I'm going to speak some truth into you, buddy, in love. I'm going to tell you some truth. This is what you need to do to fix this. And a person in mercy is looking over there going, you are evil. You know, you are a horrible person because this person needs to be loved and cared for. And come here, let me give you a hug, you know. And the person who's got the gift of prophecy looks at him and goes, what is wrong with you? It's not how Jesus, did you not know that Jesus overturned tables in the temple and fashioned a whip and whipped people who did the wrong thing? Let me tell some truth in here. So the gift of administration comes in, and we've got some with the gift of administration in here, and I don't understand you people at all. That's because I don't have the gift of administration. People with gift of administration, and they can organize everything. I, pastor uh, of mine, when I was a kid, used to say I, he, he couldn't organize a one-car funeral, and I tend to follow him, his path. I can't hardly organize a thing. First, the gift of administration comes in and says, why, why are we not, why is this thing not organized? We're waiting for the Holy Spirit to work. What? That's not how personal gift administration works, right? 
And the thing is, is God has gifted all these people with exactly the way they function and see the world and act in it. And so if we don't bear with one another in love, what we may be doing is separating ourselves from somebody who God has intentionally made them that way to give us that perspective. Now that's different if you believe you are the end all in all things. I get it. I get it all. I've got the right solution. I've got the right perspective. I've studied this. I know what this this is supposed to be. But what Paul consistently saying is, no, you don't. Because that's not the way God communicates. God doesn't communicate outside of the whole body exclusively. God communicates through the whole body. So a person who likes to share truth, they like to drop truth bombs, <laughs> need somebody to come alongside them and say, you know what? You need to love them more than that. A person with a gift of mercy, rather than coming in and saying, you know what, y'all just be quiet. I'm just going to love on this person. Somebody needs to come in and say, yeah, but if, if you don't show them some truth, they will never get out of this. See, God works in all of these perspectives. The mindset that we have come to that says, because you see differently from me, means I cannot associate with you. It's killing the church. It's killing us. If you have a whole church full of people with the gift of mercy, it is wonderful. It feels great. And it will fall apart. If you have a church that's full of sharing truth, and man, they share truth, and they don't care who doesn't like it. It won't make it. Nor should it. Because Jesus said, you will work together. All the diverse parts come together, and when they function properly which means if i come in with the gift of prophecy i come in recognizing okay i'm pulled in this direction but i need to learn from them i need them to go with me we need to talk about how this is going to work out how we're going to help this person because if i do it i'm probably going to make it worse but if we do it together we may actually see somebody's life changed Unity is so much more than just sitting around and giving each other high fives. It's about us working together in a way that God has designed us to work together. So if we're not working together, we are not working as God designed us. Don't be afraid of diversity within the church. Number two, God wants us to use our diversity to build up His church. Not our church, His church. If you see things differently and you're like, I just don't know why I see things differently. Well, you do have to ask yourself, one, where, why do I see this way? I mean, do I know Scripture? Because if I see things a certain way, but I've never opened the Bible, well, you probably don't have God's perspective in mind. But often, when you're seeking God and you're growing in your faith and you love Him and you know that you, you are submitting to the, the work of the Holy Spirit within your life, but you look around and you go, but I see things differently, you are crucial in the body because you are going to fill a blind spot for everybody else. You are necessary. See, diversity is a good thing. Diversity is never a bad thing. Number three, unity and an understanding of the work of Christ is a mark of maturity. So if we're not unified, it says more about us 
than about anything else. Fourth thing we see in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, we are going to be loving each other until we are unified in Christ. And that is a mark of maturity. Because love is a part of this. It's, you know, some administration people, are, you're getting really excited right now because you're starting to think about all the different ways people do and how they function, how we can form them and make them into this thing. And, you know, but still, don't forget, we're doing all this primarily by loving each other. And we learn to love people who are different from us. And I will tell you, one of the ways that I have learned over time to love people who are different from me is I have been fortunate enough to have people who are different from me choose to love me. I've experienced it. I've felt it. There have been times I look at somebody and I'm like, you're, you're, just, you're, you're staying with me. You're, you're, you're still loving me, even though we have lots of different opinions. And that feels weird. But it feels good. What would it look like if we began to restore relationships with, with other people? And maybe you don't have a broken relationship with anyone in this room. I mean, we've, got, we've got lots of, of good relationships in here. And by the way, this sermon is not to say we're an ununified church. Like, I know I'm getting excited about this, but I'm not trying to say we're falling apart here. (laughs) But I'm saying this is what it looks like to be the church. So all these good things, Paul's talking about all these things we read in Acts chapter 2. What's interesting is, is that in no time disunity set in. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians 1, 10, and 11. And it says, I appeal to you, brothers. Paul now writing over to the church in Corinth. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be unified in the same mind and the same judgment for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. You know, quarreling within the church isn't new. It happened right away. And it's something that we have to watch for and something we have to guard against. Let me run through Romans. I, I, I'm a, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to run through this real quick. Romans 12, verse 3. We're just going to read through a couple of things and then we're done. starting with verse 3. And keep in mind, if, you're, if you've not deeply studied Romans, you ought to. See, it always feels bad when I say we've got one more thing and then everybody leaves, right? We had enough. <laughs> like, your last thing was enough and you got one more thing. We're out of here. They, anyways. Maybe they'll come back. Um, Romans 12, verse 3 says, For by grace... Given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. (laughs) But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, or personality, or perspective, or ways of doing things, or passions. We don't all have to have the same passion. Did you know that? I mean, Jesus, yeah. But within the church, we don't have to all have the same passion. Some of you are passionate about just serving others. And that's great. For some of you, your passion is making sure that the, the, the scripture is taught correctly. And that's important. For some of you, it's about making sure that a group of people is well cared for. Great. 
But our tendency when we misunderstand the unity of the church being all of these functioning together is when someone doesn't have the same passion we have, we look at them and go, why not? I have this passion. I know this is from Christ. You don't have this passion. You must not be listening to Christ. And the truth is, Jesus never said we would all have the same passion. He said all our passions by through the Holy Spirit will work together to build up the church and grow the church in a corrupted world. You don't have to have the same passion. You should have a passion, though. I will tell you this. You should have a passion. If you have no passion for anything God is doing in the world, you need to be praying about that right now. You should have a passion. Where was I? Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. I love that. I'm I'm a member of your body. You're a member of my body. We're part of each other. Uh, we, we really can't separate ourselves from each other. Having gifts, verse 6, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, returning to the conversation of all these different roles and all these different functions. But what we, what we see in this, especially in verses 4 through 6, is that unity requires a couple of things. It requires meekness. It requires that gentleness. It requires, I don't have to be the biggest dog in the room. I don't have to get my way. I don't have to have everybody cater to me. I'm here for others. I'm here for Christ. I'm here to serve. Just as Jesus said, I have not come to be served. I have come to serve. Unity requires meekness. That humility comes when we understand what Jesus has done for us. But unity also values diversity. I keep saying that because I want us to get it. Unity values diversity. Verse 9 goes on and says, let love be genuine. Don't fake it. You can't fake love. You can't. People will see through it. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Oh man, what a group of people that would be. Man, yeah, stop talking about how great I am. I got to talk about how great this person is. What would that relationship be like? I mean, just imagine if we, we were just trying to outdo each other and showing honor to others. Oh, that would just be amazing. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And and I believe the reason he puts that there is because there's going to be a pushback within us through all these things saying, Yeah, but what when things what happens when things go wrong? What happens when they're they're not loving me, but they're just a jerk? Leave it to God. Just be busy about all this other stuff. I think that's why he has this there. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For so by doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a, bit, that's a lot. And I would encourage you to go back and read Romans 12, 3 through 21 this week. But let me leave you with this. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Let it be real. Let it be honest. Let it be authentic. If you struggle with that, focus on the love of Christ. It will change your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you. In times when you want to pull away, engage. In times when you want to judge, forgive. Choose to love. What I said earlier, a simple church is a church that is growing in knowledge, unity, and love. Let that be said about us. Father, God, I thank you for the amazing opportunity to be a part of your family. It is at times so difficult to overcome the sinful nature that we have. To hate rather than love, to flee rather than engage, to celebrate ourselves rather than celebrate others. Father, I pray that in, in this body, that you would bring unity and make us one together. Father, I believe every person in this room is an indispensable part of the body of Christ that makes up Journey Church. And I pray that you, I know that you have put us here in this place for a purpose and for a reason. I pray that we would function in the way in which you intended so that we can be built up and that we can see a world come to know Christ. Father, I pray that as our place in the bigger church in Chattanooga, you would heal the divides. You would give us a heart to mend relationships or to create new ones. Father, I pray that we would not fear diversity, but instead we would embrace it, we would seek it, and we would be part of it. So, Father, move within us. It is only your spirit that can make this happen and those who are willing to let your spirit work. So we are willing. Let your spirit move among us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.